You're listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Every night I live and die, feel the party to my bones. Watch the wasters blow the speakers, spill my guts beneath the outdoor light. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 119, now in officially the second week of June of 2017. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam and I attended the WWE Extreme Rules show uh, this past weekend. Um, Boy, we got some thoughts on that, got some thoughts on the follow-up on Monday Night Raw, and some quick hits on SmackDown this week, and uh, anything else that... Uh, pops to mind over the next uh, 30 to 60 minutes or so, however long we're here. Uh, Liam, Extreme Rules, from a live perspective, did you enjoy the show? Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty tough to have a bad time at a live wrestling show. Um, as long as, I mean, I'm sure there, if you have an annoying seat mate or you're, you know, you're, or you're, I don't know, something happened, something terrible happened to you right before uh, the show started. I'm sure it's not impossible to have a bad time, but if you're just having a nice normal day and then you go to see some live wrestling and you're enjoying, uh, I think it's pretty easy to enjoy yourself. Um, So yeah, as a live show, uh, I thought it was, it was pretty fun. Not, uh, no, not a lot of like great blow away wrestling, but uh, yeah, I thought an enjoyable show overall. Um, What about you? Yes, I had a very good time. Uh, there was a 10-minute stretch or so there that were like the 10 best minutes of the year for me so far. Um, you had uh, Sasha Banks come out and win win her match, and then you had the Drifter doing his thing, and then you had uh, Bailey's entrance. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Bailey and Sasha Banks are two of my favorite wrestlers. The Drifter was awesome. He gets heat, <laughs> he gets heat from everybody. He gets heat even from people that think they know better. People like me. I was booing the drifter. <laughs> um, but then I thought things kind of fell off a cliff. I, I, I did think there was some good wrestling on this show. And uh, that main event made it pretty unforgettable. But um, did, were you in your seat for the pre-show match between Kalisto and Apollo Cruz? Because I missed that and I have no idea if it was any good or not. Uh, yeah, I actually got there right as it was starting. May have missed the first minute or so, um, but it, it was very fun. Um, crowd was way more into both guys than you would expect, given their position on TV. Uh, I figure though, maybe just because they lose all the time, nobody knows what their actual finishes are, so they just bought all of the near falls because nobody knows. You know, in WWE, you only win with a finisher, but nobody knew what anybody's finisher was, so. Uh, yeah, a lot of heat. I mean, it's two really talented athletic guys. Um, Apollo Crews really hasn't had a ton of chances to showcase his, his. you know, I feel like he was saddled with, like, Baron Corbin for a while on SmackDown. The guys who are not going to play to his style, which is that kind of hyper-athletic, uh, you know, uh, back-and-forth match. Um, and so him and Kalisto had a really fun match. They got a lot of time. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and, and Kalisto won. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really digging, I'm kind of on board with the, uh, with the Titus O'Neil storyline. I think he's 
so great as like the sleazy manager um, or sports agent type character. Like he's really good at that and he's really funny. So yeah, I, I thought it was very enjoyable. But yeah, if there was one memorable part. It was probably I was just shocked how into uh, how into the match uh, everybody at the arena seemed to be. This was a great crowd for the first, uh, well, until a certain point. And then it got pretty good again. And well, let's just talk match by match here. The Miz beat Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental Championship, the first of many, many heel wins on this show. I thought this was better than many of their TV matches, um, but eh, I don't know, not a whole lot to write home about. What did you think of uh, Miz and Dean? I thought it was overbooked nonsense. Um, it's you're, you're doing the, the D, you know, if Dean gets DQ'd, he'll lose the title thing. And you do so many teases of that. And it's like, okay, but then in the middle, you just have like a regular wrestling match for like 15 minutes. Like you do some teases at the beginning of the match, and then they just have a wrestling match for 20 minutes. And then they do the finish where the ref's about to disqualify Dean, and then Miz pin, starts pinning Dean. And so for whatever reason, the ref decides, well, I guess I'll just count the pin instead, and runs in the ring and pins Dean, um, or you know, counts the pin for the Miz. I, was just, I just thought it was just so... Like, it's just overbooked. It's just overbooked nonsense. Um, but, I, and, and it made, it kind of made Dean Ambrose look like an idiot because he just kept getting outsmarted by the heels, which generally is not how you want to book baby faces if you want them to be big stars. But, well, we've, we've discussed their opinions and their view of Dean Ambrose before. So I don't want to repeat myself too much. So that's that's a dumb baby face. Then in the next match, uh, hell froze over as hometown boy Rich Swan and Sasha Banks beat Noam Dar and Alicia Fox. Uh, short um, post match dance highlight of my year, uh, and uh, not as good as the the segment on Raw the week before where the baby faces dance together. But seriously, this this pairing I don't think it does a whole lot for Sasha Banks, but baby faces that dance together. I can't get enough of this. Yeah. It's, it seems like such a foreign concept now because all of the heel, I mean, all the baby faces are still kind of being 2000, the rock ripoffs. So they're all kind of jerks to each other. Um, but yeah, just having, two, it's just like two nice people that are good, courageous wrestlers and they, they fought together and they won together. Sasha, terrified me doing that uh double knees off the top rope to the floor but she did have she was smart enough to have no dar catcher uh rather than relying on alicia fox so i at least maybe that was that was probably a good idea um yeah this was fun uh feel good is how i would describe this uh it's funny because rich rich swan came out and i don't know maybe it's just not super common knowledge that he was from baltimore because he got like a little bit of a pop and he comes out, and he's doing his little dance, and then the announcer says, from Baltimore, Maryland, and the whole place just blew, blew up. Everybody was so excited. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. And, uh, yes, as you mentioned, a guy got to win a nice, a nice team, and the guy got to win in his hometown. And if you've watched 205 Live or you watched the Cruiserweight Classic, Rich, Rich Swan had a pretty tough upbringing. So I imagine this was a really cool 
uh, moment for him in his career. So, yeah, feel good is how I would describe that. Sasha was so pumped after he hit after she hit those double knees off the top that she was high fiving fans, like <laughs> like she was psyched that she pulled that off. I guess pretty probably just psyched that Noam Dar caught her. Um, or did, <laughs> um yeah. Uh, Alexa, then then things fell oh. off. <laughs> things fell off a steep cliff. Uh, getting text messages in and out. Um, in a, a public place like that where there's thousands and thousands of people can always be pretty spotty, uh, at least in Baltimore. And um, I had very spotty phone service throughout the evening, but I did get a text from you immediately after the Alexa Bliss uh, defeated Bailey in a kendo, uh, kendo stick on a pole match in five minutes. Uh, I got a text from you that was just a lot of swears. And... <laughs> <laughs> and I completely agree with you. This sucked the life out of the crowd uh, for several minutes. And uh, continuing in the trend of dumb baby faces, Bailey was too dumb to use the stick on Alexa Bliss. <laughs> so easy a caveman could do it. But but Bailey could not. Um, yeah, this this was garbage. It was dumb. The crowd was booing Bailey. Uh, at least a little bit before the match even started, which shows you what a great job they've done with her on television. Um, and yeah, and then she just lost in five minutes. And again, there's no controversy. And we talked about this before, and I'll just try to, so I'll try to make it brief again. I'm really tired of watching every woman in this company work the same way, no matter how big or small they are. I think it's detrimental to them getting their characters over. It's like, Sasha, like Alexa Bliss is like four foot two and it's just beating everybody's ass. And it's so dumb to me. It's like, you can have her, you can have small cowardly heel champions. There's plenty of them. There's plenty of men who are on the smaller side who use that part of their character, to, you know, to be a heel, to, to cheat. Like it's really simple stuff, but Alexa just wins all our matches clean. So, like, by the time that match was over, I would say about, you know, at least 30 to 40% of the crowd was cheering for Alexa. It's like, yeah, no wonder. She wins all our match. She says she's going to win, and then she wins clean with her move every time. I just, ah, just, this just sucked. Like, it, I, like I don't know. I don't, I don't think you, like, this is it. Like, I think, I think Bailey's dead. Like, I don't know how you save this now. Like, yeah, I'm sure she'll come back and she'll win the title a few more times and they'll probably do her and Sasha at some point down the line. And it'll be good, but it won't be what it could have been because they've murdered her. Alexa is uh, very good given her level of experience. But as you mentioned, she's playing a heel. And uh, even before... Uh, the crowd kind of turned on Bailey. Although, as you mentioned, they did ba- boo Bailey in her pre-match promo. Um, Alexa like comes out there and she winks at the at the people, and it's like, uh, all right, well, she's not exactly a hundred percent fully committed to doing th- this heel thing either. Like, she just wants to get over. Well, I don't blame her because she's just she just wants to get over. And some, I mean, of that, I'm sure that I'm sure that's what she's directed to do too. Like, I'm not. That's, you know, her very meticulously planned entrance. 
I'm sure that's not, you know, I'm sure that's not totally all her either. That's, that's probably fair. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about Bailey. Uh, boy, oh boy. Now we're getting <laughs> babyface Nia Jax. Oh, well, you knew that was going to happen. But like, she almost killed somebody. Are you going to have every match be two minutes long and end in a run-in DQ like they did on... Like it was very clear in the match on Raw. Um, they did Alexa and, and Nia on Raw, just so I'm being clear what I'm talking about here. And like it was like two minutes, and then uh, Alexa, Alexa ran outside, and and they did the DQ. Like It was very clear that they had no faith in, in Nia being able to work with anyone. Probably because she almost killed Charlotte like a month ago. But, um, yeah, I just, man, it felt like maybe they had, it. I don't know. It's just sad. It's, it's not the only thing, and there's plenty of, you know, there's plenty of examples of this on both shows, and I'm sure there's examples of this in every company, not just in WWE, of just missed opportunities. But Bailey just, to me, seems like such a huge missed opportunity uh, for a company that prides themselves on finding, you know, gimmicks that sell merchandise and that you can put on posters and stuff like that. And, you know, that kind of positive corporate image that they're looking for in their stars these days. I, I don't know, man. Like, it's just such, they just can't get out of their own way, man. Um, I guess you talked about uh, Alexa and I as a program going forward. Um just so we can tie up one loose end. I guess the Miz and uh, Ambrose promo or uh, the uh, program is still going on as they did a hang on. It's the Barbasol Sirens. <laughs> Should we like name them after a sponsor we actually have? <laughs> Should they we... be the Contenders Clothing Sirens now? Yes, those are the Contenders Clothing Sirens. <laughs> oh my word. Um, what the hell was I saying? Oh, just to tie up, uh, just to tie up a loose end here. Uh, the Miz and Ambrose promo continues. I enjoyed that segment on Raw on Monday. I enjoyed Miz elbow dropping the heck out of that uh, box, <laughs> and uh, you, I think you tweeted that Miz, uh, Dean should have been the bear and not the cameraman. But uh, did, did you get as big a kick out of that as I did? Oh, it was great. Um... I was, yeah, I was, I was, it was, it was kind of the thing where, oh, it would be too obvious for him to just be the bear. And I get that. And if you remember, like four years ago when the shield broke up, he did a bit where he jumped out of a giant present and I think attacked Seth. So he has a history of, so Miz was right to, to think that giant package was suspect. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was funny. And then Maurice's line about, I got you a clock because it's timeless, just like you. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was like one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Um, Maurice, Maurice is <laughs> underrated, very is underrated. She, is she funny on Total Divas? I haven't watched any or uh, very much of the current current season of that. Is she good on that show? Um, she was. I see. I only saw a handful of the episodes with her on that. I will say that she came off as a total babyface in her little thing with the Bellas. Like, the Bellas are presented as, like, these huge... They're presented as the biggest stars on the show and as, mm-hmm. these, huge, as these huge baby faces. But 
Maurice was detailing how like they had made a pact years ago to negotiate together, and then the Bellas like stabbed her. And I don't think they mentioned Maria Canellas, but I think Maria was in on that pact too. And they they turned on her, and they got themselves deals, and then kind of uh, used their influence not to get the other girls hired. And Maurice co- confronted her that on the show. Which seemed like one of the rare instances of maybe this is actually a shoot. Um, that show's pretty ridiculously and pretty meticulously scripted. Um, but they really just they downplayed it, and and Nikki or Bree or both more or less called her a liar, and somehow they were all still friends at the end or something. But <laughs> but all has but, to be wrapped up within you know 42 minutes or whatever you have allotted for the show time so now maurice i mean miss comes off as just like uh he's totally he's just gonna do whatever maurice wants or tells him to do and like she well, goes yeah, around yeah. and like yeah and she she goes around and like adopts a bunch of dogs that he doesn't want to take care of back. and uh she i think she has like Dober, dobermans uh doberman pinchers <laughs> Great story. <laughs> Compelling and rich. Um, but, yeah. You can make up your own mind whether or not you want to leave that in. But back on the topic. <laughs> uh, back, But, yeah, back on topic. Uh, yeah, Maurice was great. Miz was great. And then Dean Dean got to get one over on, on the Miz once. That was, you know, every once in a while, they're, you know, for years, people talked about how Dean had that kind of, Austin flair to him and like stuff like that where it's like okay he was told to leave the arena he outsmarted everybody got back in the arena and he said hey Miz I'm gonna get you and then guess what he got him and that's like babyface guarantee he outsmarted the heel that's the other thing it's like very rarely do babyfaces get you outsmart heels in uh in this day and age so yeah, this that was a, that was an awesome segment, and I'm not necessarily thrilled about Dean and Miz continuing on, but I don't honestly have anything better. I can't really honestly think of anything better for either of them to do off the top of my head. So, at least they're they're going to be entertaining in the meantime. Back to the Extreme Rules shows. Sorrow and Sheamus beat the Hardy Boys in a cage match that had some of the worst psychology. And it's not the fault of the it's not the fault of the competitors. It's the fault of whoever devised the match. Some of the worst psychology of any match I've ever seen. Um, and yet another heel win. And Cesaro and Sheamus are, are booked like total babyfaces and are given a total babyface entrance. And c- pretty much play babyfaces all the time. And yet um, are somehow the heels in this program. And uh, they uh, beat the Hardy Boys for the Tag Team Championships. I thought the crowd was dead after the Alexa and Bailey thing for about the first half of this match, but this was pretty damn great by the end. What did you think of the cage match? Yeah, they all worked really hard. Uh, first time I've ever gotten to see the Hardys live. Um, I mean, if you had told me even a year ago that, man, you're, Liam, you're going to be really excited to see Matt Hardy live, I would have killed you. But uh, <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, so you take that back. How dare you besmirch my character that way. But uh, yeah, he's yeah. It was a, a very good match. Uh, everybody worked really hard. Uh, Matt and Jeff, and uh, my I went with uh, my friend who is kind of a novice wrestling fan, although he does watch more New Japan than I do now. But uh, I've mentioned him on the show before, I think. But uh, yeah. 
and even he, who is not like, he's not a student. He doesn't subscribe to the observer or anything like that. Even he's like, you know, every time I watch like Jeff or Matt wrestle a singles match, it looks like everything they do causes them pain. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they old, they old man. Um, and uh, so they, I mean, you can kind of tell that the, the Hardys, I don't know that the cage is the type of stipulation they should have necessarily chosen. I understand that they, you know, they wanted to kind of give Cesaro and Sheamus a semi-clean win at the same time while, you, you know, you're not, it's not really, it's not a pinfall victory. So it's still kind of a heelish way to win a title, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was really good, you know, and as, as anyone with a brain could see coming, Jeff, Jeff jumped off the top of the cage, which I think everybody, that's, that's the memorable, the one, if you remember one spot from this show, if you were there live, it's probably going to be that one. Uh, so, yeah, really good match. Uh, I'm fine with these guys continuing, mostly because I don't know if there are any other teams on Raw currently and, you know, who either team would feud with if they weren't feuding with each other. So, yeah, all things considered, this was, this was pretty darn good, I thought. Neville beat Aries to retain the Cruiserweight Championship, and I guess they're going, at least in the short term, with Neville and TJ Perkins. Uh, they pulled the trigger on that one. Uh, TJP. Oh, good Lord. Um, I think I thought this match was kind of a story of the feud that they've been having so far, which was a technically very good match that no one cared about. Um, I did find the psychology of the submissions not counting outside the ring while logical to be a great hindrance to um, an otherwise good professional wrestling match. What do you think of Neville and Aries? Yeah, it's just their placement on the show didn't give them any favors. Uh, crowd was tired. Crowd wanted to see the main eventers. Um, did not want to watch two guys do mat wrestling. They, they tried really hard. I did. I did. I made this remark on Twitter. Um, so if if okay, so it's submissions only, but you'd only count in the ring. And I believe there are also threats of disqualification and countout during this match. Oh, that's what. Yeah, that's what got me. So really, it wasn't so much a submission match as it was a no pinfalls allowed regular match. A lot of very, a lot of very questionable rules logic up and down this show. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, it was, it was, it was, they tried very hard. Uh, the finish was good with Neville hitting the red arrow and immediately locking in the uh, submission for the win. I thought that was, that was well done. Um, and then they pretty much immediately blew off the match with him and Perkins. They did that uh, Tuesday night on the 205 Live show and uh, Neville just won. So I think maybe they were heading towards Neville and Cedric Alexander, who just came back, uh, at least in the short term. I don't really have my eye on like the guy who's going to be the one that finally beats Neville though. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I like Cedric Alexander a lot and maybe they'll change my mind if they, if they build them up well, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't see anybody if it's not going to be Aries and it does, it does appear that he's being moved down. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of insulting being moved down the card of two Oh five live, but uh yeah, in the short term, they kind of, I mean, uh, you know, TJP just tapped out to the to Neville's finish on Tuesday night. So I, I, I don't know exactly where you go from there or who, who the, the guy as far as 
a baby face to finally beat Neville for the title. Uh, you know, I guess you have Tozawa as well, who's kind of, who's, uh, yeah, because of his, uh, his little chant is, is probably more over than most other guys in the cruiserweight division. But uh, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. The main event, Samoa Joe, who was the heavy betting favorite pretty early in the week by, you know, usually those th- kind of things don't break till Saturday, but it was like Thursday where I read um, Joe's like that such a heavy betting favorite that whichever website takes bets on WWE pay-per-views pulled that match off the board. Like so much money had come in on Joe. Um, so Joe beat Roman, Seth, Balor, and Bray Wyatt to... Um, become the number one contender to Brock Lesnar's championship. Um, these guys tore the house down. What do you think of the main event? What do you think about uh, that great Joe Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman segment on Raw? And the programs going forward appear to be Seth and Bray Wyatt. And I'm not sure about Roman and Finn, but uh, start with. How did you? Th- what did you think of the the, ma- the main event match at Extreme Rules? And then I guess uh, I'd like you to hear your thoughts on Joe and Lesnar as a program. Um, yeah, the main event was it was incredible. Um, it was kind of funny. Uh, everybody, everybody, kind of around me at at the show was kind of remarking, "Oh, this it's Extreme Rules, and there really hasn't been anything particularly extreme on it uh, on on this show." Uh, but they kind of saved it all for the main event. You know, you got chairs and and big dives and the barricade breaking and uh you know the table the table crashes and kind of everything you want from a a wwe hardcore match um so yeah everybody worked really well i thought everybody got a chance to shine um i was not really aware of the of the betting odds i just hadn't uh hadn't really been plugged into uh I guess to the wrestling web very much in those days. So I, I wasn't really aware of Joe being the favorite. So I was a little surprised when he won. Um, I, I'm, uh, but yeah, it's a really great match. I thought Finn, Finn Balor looked good. Uh, Roman Reigns. And I, I remarked to, to my friend, I was like, okay, Roman, when, whenever Roman was just doing sustained offense on everybody for a long time, I was like, okay, this is the part where Roman's an awesome wrestler for 10 minutes. And everybody still has everyone here that hates him has to pretend he's still not good. That's one of my favorite things to do at a live wrestling show is to watch people <laughs> is watch people pop for Roman's awesome stuff. And then remember that they're <laughs> supposed to boo him. Uh, a lot of what? Ooh, boo. <laughs> um, moments in that match. So uh, yeah, everybody looks good. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not really, uh, I'll, I'll start with Joe and Joe and Brock since that's the big news. Um, I'm very excited for it. Uh, I think we talked about it last year um, when Joe was kind of, when they had that really strong uh, monster heel run leading up to him dropping the title to Nakamura, where he just kind of destroyed everybody for a couple months on NXT TV and cut great promos and, um, and, and everything. And everyone goes, Oh, Joe and Brock, that's gotta be the match. That's the dream match. Um, and I'd kind of forgotten, quite frankly, just I guess because Joe has been, I don't want to say afterthought, that's not really fair because he was in, you know, the number one or number two match at the at the payback show and he was in the main event here. So it's not like he hasn't been around, but 
he hasn't been given a ton of mic time and most of his storylines so far were basically revolving more around Seth's storyline with Triple H. Uh, so seeing Joe kind of get to strike out on his own and be himself uh, was great. And getting to work with Paul Heyman, uh, probably, uh, you know, certainly that's a big boost to any promo segment. Um, it's just, it was really well done. Joe, you made Joe seem like the baddest dude and, uh, you have now you have Brock coming for revenge because if he has if Brock if the character Brock Lesnar has one friend in the world it's Paul Heyman and you put your hands on on the advocate and now next week we know that the beast is coming and as as Paul said I believe he's going to unleash hell so that means next week on Raw theoretically we're getting Brock coming out suplexing a bunch of guys wreaking havoc and that's uh, maybe you do. You haven't done one in a while with Brock. Maybe you do the big giant whole roster comes out to split the guys up, pull apart brawl. Um, they haven't done that in a while. I think the last one was him and Undertaker. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's. I think that I'm excited. I'm really excited. It's the first WWE main event I've been excited for in uh, in a while, probably since probably since the the first Goldberg Lesnar match, um, which I know that's only last November, but uh, you know, and not, not that I haven't liked or haven't, or I've been down on WWE the whole time. There's been plenty of good matches since then and good title matches, but this is the first one. It's like, yeah, that's a main event. That's a pro wrestling main event that I would, if this were still on traditional pay-per-view, you know what? I'd put down, Forty-five ninety-nine or whatever to watch those two guys go at it. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, what are your thoughts on, I guess, the match and the and the goings on on Raw the next night? I uh, love the stuff on Raw. Um, Joe, very happy for Joe, and I really want to see Brock and Smojo wrestle each other. Um, I would, I would have preferred a little more of a build to it, and. I really would like to see Finn Balor wrestle Brock Lesnar also. Um, so it's like, I think I'm still going to get to see that, but I would have liked Joe to run through and kill some dudes on his way to uh, facing Brock rather than like barely beating Seth Rollins a couple of times over the last, you know, three months um, and route to trying to beat Brock Lesnar. But, um, still excited for the match. It's going to be a good match. Um, <laughs> so much sweat. It's going to be so much sweat in that match. <laughs> so much red skin. <laughs> well, I think there there may be a few welts, a few bruises after for both guys as well. Might uh, be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're absolutely right there that Joe has not been particularly protected. I mean, he's kind of by default is like the number two heat number one or number two heel on the show. Uh, it's basically just him and Wyatt. I mean, the guys in that five way are, you know, basically the the five top guys, I guess maybe if you want to count, unless you count Roman Reigns as the top heel, but um, uh, yeah, uh, you definitely could have built him up a lot stronger. Um, I think he lost to Seth at, at the payback show. Um, so, I mean, it was like a roll up deal, but still, uh, you're you're not wrong there, um, but yeah, I, 
I think I think my giddiness for the idea of that match and kind of having wanted to see it for about a year and now we're getting it, I think that kind of overrides my the logical part of me goes, well, it could be better. And uh, but I, I think I'm just too excited right now. So hopefully they can, uh, you know, they keep up the what they've been what they did with them on Monday. And you, know, you and you have Brock on TV for the first time in a long time this week. So, I mean, I hope I hope they can make this feel special. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for a WWE main event. It's been a while. Uh, quick thoughts on SmackDown. They gave the women a Money in the Bank case to fight for. Um, it's smaller uh, for some reason. Um, we smash it like a butterfly. True. The idea of Carmella in a ladder match terrifies me. Um, but elsewhere on SmackDown, the women's division, Naomi, the only babyface champion out of 13 WWE or NXT champions. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, that fact oh. on Twitter. Twitter this week. Uh, Naomi's going to wrestle Lana. Oh my word. What's happening over on SmackDown? That show has just gone to Dolph Ziggler pinned AJ Styles clean last week. That show is dead to me. AJ got got his win back this week. Oh great. So nothing matters. Um, (laughs) Hey, that's like the worst way to make someone feel better. Hey, I know this geek beat the best wrestler in the world, but at least it also didn't matter for anything. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'll i be honest. I didn't watch the whole show. I saw bits and pieces here and there. Um, still don't. I, <laughs> Jinder Mahal did not look any better or any worse this time around against Mojo Rally than he did whenever they wrestled last time. So uh, still doesn't still doesn't feel like a world champion. They're doing the rematch. Yes, as you mentioned, they're doing they're doing Lana and. Uh, and Naomi, which just—it's just—it's gonna be bad. Like, um, also, what happened to uh, what happened to the thing where Rusev, where Rusev said he was gonna quit if he didn't get a title shot at this show? Do you remember that from like a month ago? Yeah, they just dropped it. Now he's tweeting about hockey and reading on Twitter. <laughs> he's reading. <laughs> he's uh, plans change, Liam. You know. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah. Dude, I do just want to mention something if we're, if we're wrapping up here before we go. You mentioned the thing about how there's like nothing but heel champions on this show. Yeah. Remember when Triple H was the champion for like five years and he was a heel and he just won all his matches clean anyway? Yeah. And how we see a lot of heels win their matches clean or they win by outsmarting the baby face or the baby face hurts, hurts themselves going for one of their signature moves and then loses because of it. You know, we yeah. see a lot of that these days. Yeah. Doesn't that kind of fly in the face of the whole, well, when Vince is gone, everything will get better. Doesn't that kind of fly in the face of that argument that things are going to get better when Hunter and Steph take over? Um, because, I'm not sure I see your argument. Is it because you're saying Hunter already has influence or just because of the way that things were booked when Hunter was on top? Kind of both. I mean, NXT is Hunter's baby, and it's pretty much all heels who win clean on on that show. And uh, the idea is eventually they will lose to a babyface, but then that babyface holds the title for a month and then drops it to the next heel who keeps it for a year and wins most of his matches clean. And has a baby. The NXT champion. Let's see if this guy sounds familiar. He's a heel, 
but he wins all his matches clean and he has a complete and total baby face entrance. Does that sound like anyone we know maybe from like the years 2002, 2008? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's a good point. And it's like, okay, it reminds me and you can choose whether you want to leave this in or not. Cause I'm going to talk about politics for a second. Oh boy. Uh, not in a, not, not what, <laughs> shut up. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. You will see a lot of news stories, whether you think positive or negative, about what our current president does. And with most of the things he does, there will also be a side story that people will publish about how his daughter and her husband tried really hard to talk him out of it. And there will be magazine covers talking about how, well, yes, I disagree with my father on this issue. And how you go, oh, okay, well, they're the good ones. If if you're if you're an opponent of if you don't agree with what the president is doing, she's the one around his administration. She and her husband are around his administration. You're like, oh well, they at least have a civil. You could at least have a discussion with them. They at least have you know their heads on straight. It's the father that's the problem, but you know at least you know she has an influence there, and they have influence over him, and they're really fighting to try to you know make sure he doesn't do all this potentially if you disagree with him crazy stuff that he's doing <laughs> and it's like that's what i feel like triple h and stephanie have been for like a really long time more triple h than stephanie because people just kind of hate stephanie i think because of her tv character but like it's always like a lot of people buy into that thing where like hey once hunter gets control man things are just going to be great and it's like look i think nxt is a fi- is a perfectly fine show but i also think on nxt it's mostly heels winning clean with their moves for about 80% of the year. And that's not necessarily what I want from my wrestling in 2017. I would like wrestling to be a bit happier. Um, absolutely have strong heels, have, you know, formidable opponents that the baby faces, sh- you know, can work to conquer. But this idea that it's going to be like a perfect wrestling utopia and like Johnny Gargano is going to wrestle uh Bobby Roode in the main event of WrestleMania 38. I don't think that's happening. Um I think it's going to be heels winning clean with their moves a whole bunch because that's how Hunter did it when he was wrestling and I think that's what he thinks is the right way to do it. Despite that it's like Hunter's idols are like Ric Flair. It's like Ric Flair cheated a whole bunch and almost always cowered to the babyface challenger. But I think Hunter just remembers the part where he was champion a whole bunch and was like bragged about how rich and successful he was. So I just, I don't want people to have like grand expectations. I want you to manage your expectations for me. That's what I want. That's what I'm asking you as a listener to do. I'm not saying be pessimistic. I'm not saying it's going to be even worse. I'm just saying the idea that, oh, everything will be great. And all these baby faces will get, will find, you know, baby faces will be baby faces again once Triple H and Stephanie take over. Just maybe, just maybe manage your expectations a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Well, we are no longer in the third inning. We are now in the ninth. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sorry. It's no apartment cat story, but it was on my mind. All right. You and I thought, the- anal- I thought of the analogy to compare it compare them to Ivanka Trump and I was like that's really good I gotta work that into the show no matter what I see are you excited for the Shinsuke Nakamura Baron Corbin program uh no 
Um, I'm never excited to see Baron Corbin on my television. Um, I don't think he's like the worst guy on the show or anything, but I'm not, I'm never excited to see him. Uh, you know what? He needs, he needs to do something about his hair. I'm just going to say that every week until he does something about his hair. Like you can shave it all off. You can do the skullet. You can wear a hat at all times. You can start wearing a mask. I don't care, but you got to do something about the hair, dude. Um, that's all I got on Barry Corp. What do you think of Jimmy Fallon's new beard? I think it's very, uh, it's very edgy and, uh, and, you know, Stephen Colbert should really watch his back. Um, because now Jimmy's going to talk about politics. And, oh. uh, Uh-oh. Yeah, you never know. You know, maybe, you know, he might, he might, he might become the new bad boy of late night television. You never know. That's certainly what this beard seems to signal. <laughs> are, you, are you ready to get out of here? Oh, yes. All right. Uh, new show next week. So, new, not no. There will be a show next week. We will be back with a new episode next week. So, until then, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back next week with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. This is the place where I'll make the cut. Here's the story. Uh, Anna and I were standing in on uh, the parking pad um, maybe three weeks ago. And um, I had uh, just come out uh, in the parking pad to walk her in uh, after she parked her car. And because, you know, the neighborhood is not like the hood, but it's not like, you know, I don't feel super comfortable. Uh, sure. Anyway. And it's this the chivalrous thing to do. So I opened the door and there's a cat like sitting eye level with me on the fence. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And uh, the cat jumps off the fence. So I walk out and I walk, walk Anna in and uh, we go to open the, the door to, to the place. And uh, the cat like is trying to get into the house. And <laughs> I'm like, 
all right it's it's kind of you know it's kind of i don't like cats that much but it's kind of a cute cat and like it really was like trying to charm us like rubbing up against us and it's like oh you guys going inside i want to go inside too uh that's my cat impersonation so (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like look this is a cute cat and everything but one i don't think i'm allowed we're allowed to have pets and two i don't want to take care of a cat right now Uh, i'm getting ready ready to get married i'm getting ready to move this is not the best you know time for me to take on a pet it's not cat time (laughs) it is not cat time so uh while we're sitting there uh hostages outside of the own of our of my own house because i can't uh, open the door otherwise a cat will run inside uh my, my roommate walks up and he's like hey what are you guys doing i'm like we're standing here because we don't want to let the cat into the house the cat like won't get away from the door and it's like, mm-hmm. so, he's, so he's like i'll i'll, I'll take the cat i'm like look man i don't want to take care of that thing if you if you're taking it you're ta- you're taking it and he's like, all right, sure. So he pick, he picks up the cat and he takes it into the house. I see the cat later that evening in the house. And then I go three weeks without seeing the cat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't hear the cat. I don't see a litter box. I don't see cat food. I don't see water dishes. I don't see any evidence of this cat in, in, in the house. Uh, about four nights ago or so. I open my bedroom door and the cat is sitting there. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, Waffles, what are you doing here? I need, I need the cat Waffles. I'm not sure why. <laughs> so I asked Matthew, I'm like, dude, uh, my roommate Matthew, I'm like, dude, dude is, that, is that the cat? And he's like, I don't know. It's not in my bedroom. I'm like, no, that wasn't. Oh, oh never mind. You're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so the cat the cat is just walking around and it's kind of it's really skinny like it looks pretty underfed but Mm -hmm. at the same time it's been like three weeks this cat has to be being fed by someone (laughs) so i guess i guess he's keeping the cat i don't know the then like three nights after that uh, cat scratching on my bedroom door, trying to get into my bedroom, trying to get my attention. I saw the cat tonight, like an hour ago. I didn't see the cat for weeks, and now I see the cat all the time. Who's taking care of this cat? Is he taking care of his cat? What does this cat eat? Where does the cat go to the bathroom? Is this cat okay? Is Waffles okay? So you like haven't seen your the roommate that took the cat in since then? I saw him once, and I asked him, and he said, "No, I, I'm not taking care of that thing." Like, oh, well, somebody must be taking care of the cat. We have a third roommate, but I don't know that he is taking care of the cat either. I mean, he must be. He must be. But also, I, I, I don't know. I just don't know. Where is the cat going to the bathroom? Do they let the cat out, and then the cat cat comes back in? I, I, I don't know. I like so he cats. lives there part time, maybe. Maybe so. <laughs> maybe so <laughs> alright I'm sorry 20 minutes 20 minutes of my BS <laughs> good lord almighty good lord <laughs> alright let's talk about wrestling real quick alright you ready sure. <laughs> I mean if you insist alright 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 
very timely Matthew McConaughey impersonation. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, mostly I just wanted to do that rant because I thought of fuck a Trump analogy the other day. I was like, I could I could I should work that into the show. That's I mean it's solid. It's solid. They're they're not, children children of privilege with ridiculously rich parents who are friends and if they have friends, if they understood friendship, they would be friends. <laughs> they're they've been associates and business associates. Talk about like they would be friends. Did, did you see the XFL uh, 30 for 30? No, I was going to, but then I just went on living my life. <laughs> it's pretty, like, it's, if you like 30 for 30s, like, it's, it's fun. Like, you, but at the, the very end of it, because, of course, it's Ebersol's kid did it. That's why so I didn't watch it, because it's, I know, I know the story they want to tell. Yeah, and it definitely was the WWE version, where, like, they have to admit that it was a failure, but like they won't admit that it was kind of like flawed from day one and the schedule was, you know, it was too quick and all that, all the basic stuff. I mean, they, they announced it in like January and then we're on television like that April or something. Like it was like, and they had no teams that they, they had to name it like team. They didn't even have team names and logos and they were already, you know, airing television promos for it and stuff. Uh, but at the end of it, the, like the last scene is they have, uh, Vince and Dick Ebersol like see each other, I guess, for the first time in a few years, and they like sit together and they're talking about things. And it's like, I don't believe, like, if I didn't know that they worked together for like 25 years, I would have thought these men were perfect strangers. <laughs> like, like these men, like, I mean, I assume Vince is probably like with that, like that with like everyone, but he's just like, yeah, yeah. and like they're asking, just asking questions like. Uh, could have worked, don't you think, pal? And, and that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, maybe we. And Dick's like, yeah, maybe we could. Uh, we could try it again sometime. And <laughs> I still think it's a good idea. And so it's just like so freaking awkward. And they have like a snapshot during the credits rolling of like Dick, Vince, and Dick's son like standing together for a picture. And it's like it just looks like these men have never spoken outside of like a meeting about. Vince providing content for one of Dick Ebersol's television networks. <laughs> you know that clip. You know that clip that they've used, been using to tease the angle WWE twenty four episode where Kurt walks into Vince's office, seeing him for the first time in you know eleven years or whatever it is. Yeah, that is you know they want to they want it to play like you know son and father figure seeing each other for the first time in 11 years and Vince could not come off as more of a worker mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just to- total phony total phony I remember uh, Heyman told a story he was on probably somebody's podcast about the first time he came back to work with Brock in 2012 or whatever it's like you know part of the company on very bad terms hadn't seen Vince since was very aware that Stephanie and Vince hated him and were really only bringing him back to try to placate Brock because they realized that, you know, Brock would only pretty much work with Heyman and they needed somebody to cut promos for Brock. So he brings him back. He goes to Gorilla, says, hello, Vince, and sticks out his hand. And Vince says, damn it, give me a hug, Paul. And he gives him the hug. And Paul's like, you're hurting me. 
And and Vince just goes, ha ha, good to see you. And like slaps him really hard on the back. And <laughs> and then like tells him, you know, gives him like bullet points for whatever he's supposed to go out there and say. It's like, yeah, that's about how I expect it. <laughs> that's how I, how I see like every interaction. Like unless you're really one of Vince's guys. Like I'm sure like Hogan and Brett and Sean and maybe Jericho. Like Jericho talks a lot in his books like he knows Vince a little better. But I kind of wonder, like, like I'm not even sure, like, Jericho has ever really seen, like, real Vince. Right. Like, I think it's a real small list of, of like, of wrestlers. Like, I'm sure, like, obviously, like, Hunter's seen it. But, like, uh, like yeah. Like, out of the actual wrestlers, it's like, unless you were, like, tip, tip, top guy, I don't think a lot of guys got to actually know Vince very well. And, and I mean, that kind of tracks with, like, guys like Angle. Like, he was a big star and he was one of Vince's guys, but he was never, you know, he was never the guy. And I don't, I don't see like him and Vince ever like staying up till 6am in a hotel room, uh, you know, drinking beers and going over, going over TV scripts and stuff. Yeah. Did you ever hear, I think it, I'm, Oh boy. Shortly after he was released from WWE, I guess and went to TNA, Kurt Angle was on, I believe he was on Wrestling Observer Live uh, when this when it was still just a weekly show on Sunday nights mm-hmm. uh, for one hour. Did you ever hear his, inter- his talking about when Vince fired him on that show? No. It's a pretty crazy story. <laughs> it's like he was hurt and he goes into Vince's office and he drops his pants and to show him like he's got bruises all over his groin and I mean mm-hmm. like you know you know Vince gave him the old uh Kurt's you know I want a gold freaking medal with a broken freaking neck and Vince is like yeah all that and a dollar will buy you a cup of coffee and <laughs> like right I mean but just the 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 details I don't know Kurt too is like up there on the Hogan scale in terms of telling the truth in interviews, but yeah, like legitimately, like those two guys will say absolutely anything regardless of whatever the, what the truth is. They, <laughs> they will just say whatever pops into their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a pretty riveting interview. I don't know. Long time, <laughs> long time, long ass time ago, but. So, yeah, this is with somebody. It's like, yeah, wrestling in 2017 is so freaking weird and like that's that that's a newsflash but it's like some of it's good weird some of it's bad weird but all of it is weird yeah i had the i actually had the thought last week for like the first time ever i thought you know what maybe i should just start watching new japan like like, (laughs) something something in wwe made me angry and i'm like why don't i just start watching new japan and then it's like well this is your life segment uh, I didn't watch Raw last week, so I don't know. I didn't watch. I didn't watch you Raw. And, you week. and about a billion other people decided to not watch Raw last week. <laughs> but and then I was like, well, I don't see the in ring is like a little too real for me. It's like I like WWE's in ring. Like I wish you know, a few people worked differently than each other, and not every match was exactly the same. But I like the style for the most part. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the New Japan style. I don't know. But it's like, no, I want this product. I just want it done well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that kind of made me laugh. When like, 
because that was like one of the one of the three defenses for for the Jinder Mahal getting the title and getting this giant push was the oh everybody complains that they do the same old stuff with Randy Orton as champion then they put the title on a new guy and everybody complains it's like so basically what you're saying is oh not only did you want something different but you wanted it to be good too. Like what? A, what an arrogant fan you are for wanting both something good and something different. Like how unfair! Like you're being unfair to this giant company who employs, who has like the most stacked talent roster in any wrestling company ever. Like, oh, you want it to be good and to be something new and innovative? Like, how <laughs> dare you? Like, get the get the f out of here with that! Like, in. And, and I know that's the gimmick is like you got to come up with something to defend this dumb BS. So that's you know oh it's something different. It's like yeah, but it sucks. I want something good. That's also something different. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that the product would be any better if Vince weren't in charge. But I do think that maybe we would have people like the world champions wouldn't you know a month ago wouldn't have been Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton. I mean those are the last stars he made. <laughs> Brock and Orton and Batista. Those are the last stars he made 15 years ago. It's like I think there would be different people on top, um, but I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and I, that's why I try to temper myself at the end of, of my little rant. There is like I do think yes, if Triple H was in charge and it was booked more like NXT, that would still be better than what we generally have on Raw. Because at least the baby faces may lose a lot of matches clean, but generally they're not booked to be idiots. Most of them are booked to be very likable. Uh, you know, like that Roderick Strong stuff that they did, those video packages with him and his baby and, and uh, you know, his soon-to-be wife and, you know, talking about his childhood and all that stuff. And again, you don't have to do that stuff for every single baby face on your show. But, you know, once a month or so, if you did that for somebody, you could really start to, you know, introduce people this is an era where people want you know with social media stuff they want to feel like they know their stars they want to feel like what they're watching at least to a certain the guy that they're cheering is worthy in his real life of being cheered um so i think that those kind of stuff yeah you wouldn't see that on raw so there's definitely yeah at the very least i think you would get different a little more often different and at least passable versus you know different and terrible which is what we get currently yeah all right (laughs) sure i try to keep on keeping on 